Hey, my friends. <clears throat> Let's uh, do a little follow-up. Sunday, I took you through a, a Jewish concept called Tikkun Olam. And it's about how to repair the world, about how to make the world just a little bit better of a place. Um, I want to go back. I want to take another angle on some of the scripture that we talked about there. Specifically, I want to go back to the book of beginnings. You would probably know it by its English name, the book of Genesis. It's a prologue to the first five books of the scripture, or what's known as the Torah. The book of Genesis is there for that. And there, in the prologue of the prologue, is what's called the Genesis poem. And in the Genesis poem, every day after God creates, God steps back and looks at all that's been created and says it is good. He does that every day but day two. Then the next day he creates and steps back and says, it is good. And then finally, there at the end, when God is creating humans, the scripture speaks about how God reached down with the dust of the earth and formed humans in God's likeness. And then put lips to man's nostrils and breathed in the breath of life. It's a beautiful image that says, this is why we're separate from everyone else. And then God gives man not so much the obligation, but invites man to an opportunity to take part in the creative process, to be part of creation, to be a creator in helping the world along. You see, God had the opportunity, if you believe that God is perfect and you believe that God is all-powerful, God had the opportunity to create in perfection, but that's not what happened. The Genesis poem tells us that God created it to be good. And then after creating man, he says it's very good and then invites man to be part of that creation and to be a creator alongside with God. Why do I bring that up? Because we often have this idea in Scripture that God expects us to be perfect and that unless we are perfect, we can't be before God. Because God's perfect, he expects us to be perfect. That's not the scripture. Matter of, the, matter of fact, the word that's often translated in, from the Hebrew into English as perfect is a Hebrew word called, I'm going to pronounce it, I'm probably going to butcher it, tamim, but it's spelled T-A-M-I-M, -I so you can Google that, T-A-M-I-M -I and look into it. It means to be whole, to be complete. It means, in some translations, it means to be of a simple heart. It means to walk with God. We go back to another scripture, it says you're to be holy as I am holy. In other words, we translate that as, well, God is holy in perfection. Well, that's not what it is. God says you're to be set apart. You're to be different than the other nations. The other thing is, you go into Deuteronomy, we think, well, we don't have the ability to do this. I am just a simple human. I don't have the ability to be holy. I don't have the ability to be complete. But that's not what Moses tells us in the book of words also known as Deuteronomy that's a book of Moses' speeches these siloquies these great treaties of what Moses is teaching the people in there and I think it's about chapter 39 they're about to enter into the promised land and Moses knows he's not going to be able to go with them and he's given them some words of encouragement and in those words of encouragement he says everything you need to do what God wants is written on your hearts it's in your mouth 
You've got everything you need. You don't need anything else. You have this ability. But that's not what we're taught. We're taught that God expects us to be perfect. And I guess my question would be, why would God expect us to be something he didn't create us to be? Why would the divine expect his creation that, he, that was created to be good or very good to be perfect? It's not the expectation. As a matter of fact, if you go forward into the book of Micah, um, Micah is one of the minor prophets. And one of the things we know about the prophets was they were not liked very much by the people of their day, especially by the kings or the religious people of that day. And the reason is because they would often come in and call out what's wrong. They would see a social injustice. They would see something where the widows and the orphans, as in Isaiah chapter 5, are not getting the justice they deserve. And they would call it out. They would say, this is wrong. And what Micah's doing, especially there about 5 and 6, he's again calling out the religious system. He's not saying that the sacrificial system was wrong. He's not saying that the temple was wrong. He's saying that you've missed the point of all of it. God doesn't require your sacrifices. He doesn't require the blood of goats or bulls. God doesn't even require the sacrifice of a firstborn. That's not what God requires. What does God require? You get down to verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what the Lord requires of you, only to do justice, and to love goodness, and to walk modestly with your God. Not perfection. So when you're in your head beating yourself up, and I do it a lot, and I do it because I know I've failed. I do it because I know I've not met this idea that's been ingrained in me that God desires perfection. I have to come back to these verses. I have to come back to these passages. I have to come back to these ancient texts and poems and look and see what the teachings truly were. What God requires is that I be good and I walk with God. Walking with God does not mean that I'm perfect. Walking with God means that I am learning, that I am growing, and that today I'm doing better than I did the day before. And that when I make a mistake, when I stumble on that journey with God, I get back up, I learn from it, and as a result of that, I'm already better than I was before. This concept is called a Jewish word, teshuva. We often translate teshuva as meaning something like repentance. I've sinned, I, I show remorse and regret for that sin, and I seek forgiveness. But it's more than that. It includes that, but it's more than that. Teshuva includes this idea of continuum growth. This idea of I'm being better than I was the day before. For example, I expect you as a 16-year-old to be mature, more mature, than you were as a 10 year old. That's growth. That's doing good. In fact, as you grow on maturity, that's very good. And that's what God expects. So let's get this idea of perfection out of our head. Let's get this idea that I don't have within me the ability to please God. I do. Let's get this idea out of our heads and our souls and out of our theology that God expects us to be perfect. God does not. 
God didn't create you to be perfect. He created you to do good. He created you to grow. He created you to be a part of creation. All right, my friends, that's my little sermonette. If you got questions, comments, whatever, hey, join the conversation. Take it easy.